Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Linda, very much. And good morning, everybody. Glad to see everybody here on this rainy day. Definitely much needed the rain. Very, very dry summer for the most part so far. I don't know if we have any fans of the History Channel this morning, um, but the History Channel has a show called Simply Alone. And I don't know if we have any fans, anybody who's, who's watched the show. I'm not a, a big fan, kind of curious of it, watched little snippets here and there. But it's an interesting show because what they do is they take 10 contestants and they take them to the wilderness and they split them up. They, they place them miles and miles apart from each other and they have a limited amount of survival gear with them and they're left alone to survive. And it's a, it's a competition to see how long each person can survive. They, they're alone, as it says, because uh, <clears throat> they're, like I said, miles away from the other contestants. It's totally inhabited areas. And except for the occasional uh, medical check-in, they don't see any human beings for the whole time that they stay out there. <clears throat> now, everybody has their breaking point, and so they do have uh, satellite phones, so that when they're at their breaking point, it's what they call a tap out, they can call that phone and they can tap out, they can be, they can be done. <clears throat> Sorry. And the person who lasts the longest wins $500,000, a good purse, a good reward. And it's interesting, season one, which would have been, you know, their big kickoff to, to grab everybody's attention, Josh lasted 12 hours. Chris, he lasted 36 hours. Wayne and Joe, even though miles apart, they both tapped out on day four. Brant, well... He lasted a whole six days. And Dustin, Dustin broke the week mark. He lasted eight days. So just like that, in this competition, they go from 10 contestants down to four in a matter of eight days. And the winner, Alan, he lasted 56 days uh, on his own in the wilderness to win the $500,000. Interesting, in season two, Desmond set a new record, or should I say a new record. He lasted six hours before he tapped out. Season seven saw Roland. Roland lasted 100 days on his own to win that half million dollars. And I guess they've got a really good following because the, the, the show is now, I believe, in season 10. And um, they've done things a little bit different. Instead of having... 10 new contestants. They've actually brought back six contestants from other shows uh, for them to compete again, and they get another chance at being alone all by themselves. Now, interesting, this show can really kind of give us a picture of everyday life for us, because there are some people who often feel alone. They feel that they're all by themselves. 
And many people, whether it's intentionally or it just happens, they face life often, day in and day out, by themselves. They're, they're alone. They feel lonely. And even for some of these people, they do do the occasional medical check-ins, like our lone contestants. But the question is, is, are those people being honest? Are they really opening up and being honest about how they're feeling and how they're doing while feeling so lonely? But we as human beings aren't meant to be alone in life. Right off the bat, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, 18, God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Right off the bat. And if, if you want more, it, the book of Ecclesiastes, full of some wise words for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, we read, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. <clears throat> Sorry. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning at Auburn Bible Chapel, Lord, and we turn our hearts to you. We turn our ears to you. We turn our minds to you, Lord. Lord, we just pray that uh, this morning would be a, a time that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit, Lord. May you open your word to us. Give us, give us understanding as we dive into your word Meet us where we're at, Lord, please. Help us to put off <clears throat> the many distractions of life, the, the worries that we have, and focus on you and allow you to minister to us, teach us, increase our knowledge and wisdom this morning here, Lord, we ask. In your holy name, amen. If you'd like to turn to John chapter 14 this morning, Thank you, uh, Daniel and, and Linda, for, for reading uh, our scripture here. And as you turn to John 14, let me just kind of set the stage here. I'll start with John chapter 12. So in, in John 12, we're six days before the Passover, before what we call the Last Supper. And there's a special meal for Jesus. He's anointed. Uh, sorry, he's anointed with oil. And then next we read, on the following day after that, is the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem as a king. And, he, and then Jesus goes into predicting his own death. Chapter 13. We jump into the, the Passover meal. And we read how Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Then Jesus 
talks to them and tells them how he's going to be betrayed by one of them. And then he, then he predicts how Peter is going to deny him when things get going tough. Which brings us to chapter 14. The first four verses, after Jesus telling them all this stuff, they're trying to absorb it, Jesus tries to comfort them with some comforting words. And then in verses 5 through 14, um, Jesus basically tries to explain that he is the way to God the Father. So, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. These are Jesus' words. Your Bible may have them in red or whatever. If you love me, keep my commands. Well, what are Jesus' commands? Well, simply put, you could simplify them as love God, love your neighbor. We're not going to dive too much into that verse. We're going to come back to verse 15 later on in the service. But look at 16, if you would, for me. Jesus asked God the Father on our behalf to send another advocate. He says, and I will ask the Father. These are Jesus' words. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Well, if there's another advocate, who's the first? Well, the first is Jesus. Jesus is the first advocate that God sent to earth for us. And so Jesus is telling them and telling us that he's going to ask God to send another advocate when he leaves to send another advocate. So what is an advocate? You kind of know the word, but can you think of it? If I ask you to stand up and define it, could you define it? Well, simply put, it's one who pleads for or on behalf of another person. So one who pleads for or on behalf of another person. That's what an advocate is. An advocate is to help you. And don't, don't pass over those final words there in that verse. And be with you forever. Not a short period of time. But Jesus is going to ask God to send an advocate to be with you, to be with me forever. That's a promise we can hold on to. Now, before we go on, let me just stop. I think we need to do a little uh, explanation here. There's being alone and there's being lonely. They're not the same. Being alone is a physical thing. Being lonely is a feeling. And we're going to kind of address that here. And I think that verse 16 is a great verse to highlight, to mark, to hold on to. For anybody who ever struggles with feeling lonely, it's a great verse to go back to, to read over, If you're feeling lonely. Let's continue. Verse 17. So, Jesus asks God, send an advocate. Well, who's that advocate going to be? Well, we're told right there in verse 17. The spirit of truth. 
otherwise known as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. It says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, is the third part of the Holy Trinity. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, but it says that they, that the disciples know him. Well, how do the disciples know him? They know Jesus, but how do they know the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus tells them earlier that he and the Father are one. So if you know me, you know the Father. So because the three of them are all one, if you know Jesus, then you know the Father, but you also know the Holy Spirit. And some key words in here is Jesus says, what? The Holy Spirit will be with you, talking to disciples. He'll be with you. It's a promise that came on the day of Pentecost. Move to the book of Acts. You'll read about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit actually came upon all the disciples just a few weeks later. So that was then. What about now? So Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, the advocate, that he would come to the disciples. But what about us? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's a promise. It's a promise from God that we can hang our hat on forever. And the words were then, but the words tell us that it's an everlasting promise. If you repent of your sins, ask Christ to be your Savior, you'll receive the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, in you. If you turn to Ephesians 5.18, it says that we can actually be filled with the Spirit. Not just with us, but we can actually be filled. And I think that's a part of a challenge for us is how much of a relationship, how much room do we give the Holy Spirit in us? Do we allow the Holy Spirit just to be in us or to fill us and guide us and direct us through our life? Back to John 14, we're going to go to verse 20. Verse 20 reads, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So talking about the day of Pentecost when they receive. When we repent of our sins, and the Holy Spirit comes in us, this is the same for us. 
on that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. We can have Jesus right in us by inviting in the Holy Ghost. Verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. So Jesus has switched from kind of negative undertones and he's trying to encourage the disciples. He is in his final hours. He knows what's up for them. They don't really know. He's saying a lot of tough words to them and he's trying to give them a bit of what we call can call a pep talk, some encouraging words. He wants to make sure that they see the bigger picture, that they have some hope that they're not going to be alone. Even though Jesus is going away, he wants to make sure that they know that, he's, that they're not going to be left alone. Verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, on our behalf is there to help us, to teach us, to remind us of things. As far as the disciples go, one of the first things the Holy Spirit did was he taught them, inspired them, and reminded them of what had happened in the past. And this is how we ended up with the four Gospels. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in them, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we got the four Gospels. The inspired word of God through the Holy Spirit being active in them. Secondly, the Holy Spirit will be the teacher, our teacher, the one to remind us today. You want to learn more about God? Dive into the scriptures, but commit your time. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, to guide you as you're looking at God's word. He's there for us. He's our advocate He's our helper. He's our teacher. We're not left alone to take this and read it and figure it out all on our own because much of it is way too complicated for a lot of us. But with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can gain the knowledge. We can gain the wisdom that's in there. Acts, Acts 4, if you want to turn again just over to Acts, or you can, you can just, le- just listen to me read. We have a perfect example of this early on. Acts 4, starting in verse 7, we read, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Lazarus, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And down to verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were astonished with the Holy Spirit. You and you and you and you and me we can all do astonishing things if we allow the Spirit to fill us. I know at any time, at any moment, someone can feel lonely. And regardless of the number of people that are in the room physically or aren't in the room, you can feel lonely. You can feel lonely, totally crowded and surrounded by people. Or you can feel lonely when you are actually physically alone also. But as a believer, as a member of God's family, just as we read in, in Acts 2, 38 and 39, you have received the Holy Spirit. You have received the advocate. And so you, you may feel lonely, but you need to remember you are not actually alone. And the promise there that we read before is that you are not alone for how long? Forever. There won't be moments when the Holy Spirit isn't there. There won't be days or weeks. The Holy Spirit is in your soul day in and day out. It's an amazing promise and something to really grab a hold of to know that even in those moments of deep, dark feeling lonely, that you truly are not alone in this world. And for those people who are listening, maybe you haven't taken that step. Maybe you haven't repented of your sins. You haven't asked Christ into your heart. You don't have the Holy Spirit inside you. Well, I've got some good news for you also this morning. There isn't just good news for the Christian, but there is some good news for you also who have not made that decision. And I would like to argue that you also are not alone. Although the advocate may not be in you, we have read that the advocate is with you. The advocate is traveling with you, working in your life, drawing you to himself, drawing you to Jesus. He's waiting. He wants 
you to take that step. Sorry. Second uh, Peter, chapter three, verse nine. These words are for you. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord is patient with you. Just because you say no, just because you say wait, just because you're not fully understanding yet, that's okay. Because the Lord through this Holy Spirit, will stay with you and keep drawing you towards him, keep showing you until hopefully one day you say, yes, I am a sinner. I want to repent. I want Jesus to live inside me. I want my life to change. God is a patient God. And he made us and he loves us and he wants an active relationship with each one of us through the Holy Spirit, and so he is pursuing us day in and day out. So again, Christ, through the Holy Spirit living in you or not living in you, I don't believe anyone is truly ever, ever fully alone. Now, I'm no expert on this whole subject of dealing with loneliness. It can be very uh, stressful. It is very real. It can be very, very consuming uh, for a lot of people, and it can be an honest, big struggle, and I'm no expert. But I want to, want to take us back to John 14, verse 15. I said we would come back, and we are. We read, if you love me, keep my commands. These are Jesus' words to the disciples. If you love me, keep my commands. Again, what commands? What commands? I have to guess that Jesus is talking about back when he, we've got a story, there was an expert in the law. uh, And he came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the number one commandment? What's the number one commandment people should follow? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let me suggest this. I think hopefully we have established that you're never, ever alone. But feeling lonely is a reality. And when you feel lonely, I have one word for you. Go. That's right. I said go. I see a lot of confused faces. Go love somebody. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Some way, somehow, some fashion, go focus on somebody else and show them love. 
It may be in person. It may not be in person. That's up to you. But my first suggestion is go love somebody, as Jesus said. The other go, go love God. So you may be saying, well, how do I, how do I go love God? I, I, can grab, I can wrap my mind around going loving somebody else. I can kind of figure that out. How do I love God? Well, may I quote Billy Graham? Billy Graham said, I am never lonely when I am reading the Bible. Nothing dissolves loneliness like a session with God's word. So yes, loneliness is a feeling that we all have at times. It's very normal, and yes, it can be very consuming. But if we come back to God's word, if we follow Jesus' example, if we remember that everlasting promise that we are never alone, we may be lonely, but we're never alone. And to me, two main ways to combat loneliness one, go love somebody. Two, go love God. So yes, we may feel lonely, but know for sure. And let me remind you that we are never, ever truly alone. Thank you. Daniel? Daniel?